Hey, Cloudcast community, listen up. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring and analytics platform. Datadog was built to bring clarity to complex dynamic applications, whether they're in the cloud, on-prem, in containers, or wherever you run your applications. With powerful dashboards, seamless integrations, and more than 250 technologies they can monitor, Datadog has you covered. Whether it's AWS, Azure, Google services, your popular open source projects and products, or web security and APIs, Datadog can help you monitor them and help you collaborate around troubleshooting them and make sure they're running great. Datadog provides deep end-to-end visibility into the health and performance of modern applications. So try it yourself. Get yourself a free 14-day trial. Go to datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast to try out your free 14-day trial. And if you try it out, let them know your friends at Cloudcast sent you, and they'll send you a great, uh, wonderful, soft, awesome t-shirt with the Datadog logo on it. I wear mine all the time. So once again, that's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. Thanks for listening, and here comes the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios in once again rain-soaked Raleigh, North Carolina. Folks, it's 2019. Glad to have everybody back. Hope everybody had a good new year, good end of the year, good holidays, and uh, are ready to get back to get back to 2019, get back to work and, and whatever is exciting that you're working on. Um, you know, we're obviously going to continue to do a lot of the things that we've always done on the show, uh, interviews, smart people, uh, new companies, new technologies, and so forth. But we thought we'd start off the year a little bit differently just to kind of, you know, help people kind of prepare for what could happen in 2019, help them uh, kind of get set to some of the things to kind of focus their learning on and so forth. Um, and so we're going to do a series of shows uh, just to begin the year, the first couple of the year that are going to really focus on some broad topics. We're going to bring in some experts uh, for those areas to uh, to focus on those topics. And so today, very excited to sort of kick that off. We're going to focus a little bit on both DevOps and also sort of an emerging space around DevOps called NewOps. And so very, very excited to have old friend of the show, Josh Atwell, who is a senior technology evangelist and or advocate and also co-host of Speaking in Tech. So Josh, welcome to the show. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's you know, we, we see you from time to time because you're here in Raleigh. Um, you just yep. recently started a new role uh, over at Splunk. Um, so tell us a couple of things, you know, just kind of give us some sense of what you're working on these days because I know a lot of people in the industry know you and, and have known you over time. But what are you working on these days? Um, and then more importantly, what, what keeps you interested in this in this DevOps and new ops space these days? Sure. Uh, so as you mentioned, I recently switched over to working at Splunk, uh, Senior Technology Advocate. And in that role, I have a lot of focus and emphasis on going out to the community and helping uh, IT organizations, especially the operations side of the house, uh, make these transitions to you know, the, the new challenges and requirements that you know, have been falling on top of everybody over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I, I joke, uh, it feels a lot like uh, the conversations I have, like I'm a, a therapist. I'm going in and saying, you know, I, I know things are changing. I know this is frustrating. I know it's exciting. And, you know, I know you have your reservations and hesitations. Let's kind of talk through those and let me kind of share some guidance and tips and things that other organizations like yours are doing to be successful. Yeah, no, it makes makes sense. I I feel like that's yeah, that's that's sort of the the ongoing conversation is you you always find some people that are 
you know, eager to want to make some changes. They, they, they want to lead the change. They want to learn. And then, then there's always some point where they go, uh, but our, our, our organization's not prepared for this or so-and-so is going to be in the way, or we got a lot of, we got a lot of baggage and, and, uh, old stuff to get through. So yeah, I can, I can totally appreciate the sort of feeling like a therapist, but at the same time realizing like, you know, we want to help make progress. We want to, we want to sort of move this along step by step. Um, let's talk a little bit about kind of, kind of the state of DevOps, maybe not, not so much the state of DevOps report that people know from, from, uh, you know, Gene Kim and, and Nicole Forsgren and others, but just kind of, you know, your viewpoint of, of where is DevOps these days? It's, it's gone through, you know, it's, it's been around for a while. It's gone through a lot of different things. Um, it's gone through, you know, having a focus on CI and CD and the, the sort of famous, um, you know, 10 deploys a day. It's gone through infrastructure as code. Um, you know, it's, it's gone through, you know, some things of shifting technology focus to culture focus, where, where do you sort of see the community that really focuses around DevOps? And and then maybe more importantly, kind of, as you're talking to end users, kind of where they see DevOps these days? Sure. I I think the key thing is that the number of successes that organizations have had with applying a framework like DevOps has meant that people are taking it a little more seriously and and considering it and adopting it, changing the way their organizations are structured, changing the way that they measure their organizations and the expectations from the organization. And and so I think the the first thing to say about like the you know, evolution in the state of DevOps is that um, people, fewer people are looking at it as some niche thing that can't apply to them and are starting to recognize that, oh, you know, I can apply those techniques and capabilities. I can adopt those tools. I'm actually having conversations with other people in the organization and realizing that, you know, we have room for optimization. And so I, I think the current state is that we are seeing more and more uh, groups and organizations adopting the principles of DevOps and applying them and, and finding some successes. Uh, and, you know, the state of DevOps report, as you mentioned earlier, is showing that, right? The, the number of people who are medium performers continue to increase and you know, their level of maturity, you know, for those medium performers are continuing to grow. Now, there's a spectrum there, right? You know, you've got people who are still, you know, just getting through that trough of disillusionment and feeling the real pain. And then you've got people who have you know, really pushed past that and, and developed some maturity. Yeah. I'm actually glad that you mentioned the sort of medium performers in regard to the, the state of DevOps report. I know this year they, they kind of created even a new tier. I think they called them like, like ultra performers or, you know, it was sort of like you, mm-hmm. had, you had high, medium and low, and then they created sort of a, a super user category. And I was a little worried about that just because, um, you know, while that, that does great for creating headlines and you can talk about people that have, you know, increased their deployment rates by 4,000%, um, you know, the the more the industry talks just about sort of the, 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 the cream of the cream of the cream of the cream of the crop, it does make the, the broader community start to go, oh, well, I, you know, if I, if I can't get to, you know, 800 deployments a day, why am I doing this? So I'm, I'm glad that, that you're focusing more on a bigger chunk of people that, uh, you know, two deploys a day is a big deal. Uh, you know, having code well-documented is a big deal. And so I, I'm glad to hear you not only focusing on the, the sort of top headline of, of that piece of it. I appreciate that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm a bit cynical. You know, I I acknowledge that, and I I try to be very pragmatic with my approach towards towards DevOps and and IT transformation and the changes that that people are needing to make. Uh, for instance, when I talk to people, you know, and this goes back to the therapy side, I'm like you you don't have to do four thousand deploys a day per se, right? Your your application is not like Facebook that has all these different components that can be updated discreetly um, and make a tremendous impact, or or Google. You don't necessarily need that. The emphasis I put on groups is to say, answer one question for yourself. Can you deploy on demand? Right? If something critical comes up or a new feature is available sooner than you thought, are you comfortable deploying that out and feeling comfortable that you can deploy it out successfully um, with minimal impact? Right? Obviously, you can't perceive everything that could happen, but what's your confidence level you know, at time of deployment? And you know, that's where I put a lot of emphasis in talking to people because I don't want them to feel this, you know, uh, requirement that they have to be deploying a certain number of times a day or certain times a week, right? Your incremental progress is your incremental progress. Your app is your app. How comfortable are you in making that deployment? Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's smart. And, and again, it, the lower the barrier to entry that, that we make for people, um, you know, the more opportunity there is for people to, to feel comfortable, you know, taking that first step and, and taking that leap. And um, let me, let me shift gears just a little bit. Um, I, I feel like the DevOps um, space is, is going through some transition and that's, that's normal. Like I said, this, this, um, you know, this, this trend has been going on for maybe almost a decade now. It's been going on for at least seven or eight years that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, DevOps, um, you know, started as something, it's evolved. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're seeing uh, discussions around things like SRE, site reliability engineers. You've, uh, you know, you and, and Splunk and some others have started this thing around around new ops. Like, what's, what's driving some of, of that? Um, you know, is it <clears throat> everything, you know, at some point reaches a point where you, you have to make it fresh and new, or, you know, are there really some new things that are happening? Um, you know, whether it's SRE, whether it's new ops that, you know, have to be brought to light for people. What, what, what's causing this, this shift in, in some of the new things coming out around, you know, started in DevOps, but are now evolving into their own space. Yeah. It's really comes down to diversity of need. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's not possible for one size to fit all, right? I mean, we learned this with virtualization. We've learned it with cloud. We've learned it with ITIL. You know, there's there's no one size fits all. Um, DevOps provides a a framework and a methodology that, that you can apply. Um, it really provides a, uh, a framework for how you communicate between teams, how you set goals, how you identify constraints. And the emergence of things like SRE and DevSecOps and new ops um, it's just a sign of the maturity in that you know, those are gaps that needed more clarification, more detail, more you know, uh, second level instruction. You know, if you liken it to telling people to bake a cake, right? You know, delivering applications and and uh, getting those deployed, if you equate that to baking a cake, right? There's some core things that you have to do, right? You have to have certain ingredients. You have to, but those ingredients can vary. Like you have to follow a process, you know, a recipe and instructions. How you use that and the tools you use may vary, but in the end, you're going to need to cook it and you're going to need to be able to serve it. And the way you do all those things are different. And as you get into a community of people who are baking cakes, they're going to have different tips. They're going to have different ways of doing it. They're going to develop different strategies. You're going to have the people who you know like to whip everything by hand and others who like to use a machine. And so the emergence of these 
you know, specialties, if you will, or these additional frameworks just result of, you know, like-minded people who have run into similar challenges or, you know, certain preferences for what their environment needs or what their organization needs, creating these frameworks and then getting them out the market mm-hmm. so that if other people have similar needs or, you know, similar desires, they, they can follow that as well. Yeah, no, it makes it makes sense. Um, talk a little bit. Uh, there's there's you're you're involved with this kind of new thing called new ops. Um, you know, I I sent you over a note. I don't know a few weeks ago and just said like, hey, send me the mm-hmm. the TLDR version of, of what this is. So you know, uh, obviously we're all sort of familiar with DevOps. What is new ops and and what's it kind of focused on? Uh, so new ops is strictly focused on the IT operations side of the house and for IT operations professionals who are now you know, being faced with new critical demands, right? The the pace at which they're needing to adapt and deploy and change you know, platforms and infrastructure and services. The, these are fundamental shifts in how operations has to be delivered. You know, there's some core things underneath that haven't changed. Like you still have to have your mean time to resolution and you want to keep your mean time between failure down. But the way IT organizations are starting to be measured and starting to be structured, the tooling that they're bringing in, the increase in collaboration, and like I mentioned before, the increase in pace of those requirements, uh, you know, it's it requires a you know, I guess an evolved breed of IT operations professional. Uh, we dealt with this a little bit when virtualization became mainstream, but that was really a transition from physical servers to being x86 virtual servers. You just changed your scale at which you operated and managed, but you're still managing systems very similar to what you were doing before. Now we've got a much higher diversity of things that we're managing in the IT operations space. And so new ops is targeted to help enable IT operations professionals and, and to provide that guidance and frameworks and, and be able to do some knowledge sharing so that they can better support their business. And if you know the organization is doing DevOps, they better know their place in, in DevOps and the value that they can add. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And, and we, we put some notes in the, in the, some links in the show notes um, for, uh, newopsdays.org, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of events will be coming up. People can go take a look at them and probably you'll be speaking at some of them. And, uh, but it's a good chance again for, like you said, a, a community to kind of evolve around people that are realizing, um, yes, we, we've gone through this, this revolution of things becoming more software centric, uh, you know, better kind of cooperation with the development teams trying to get applications out there. But now this realization of like, yeah, it's not just the software, you know, the, the infrastructure is no longer hardware, it's software, it's, you know, the operations has to be different and so forth. So yeah, definitely folks should be taking a look at that. Um, you know, in the in the technology realm around this space, um, you know, we, we've seen uh, a lot of focus, like I mentioned earlier, around CI and CD. We've seen it around, um, you know, the Chef Puppet, Ansible, Salt Stack technologies. Um, you know, we're starting to see it around containers and some of the immutable technologies like a Kubernetes. Are there other technology areas that you're seeing um, kind of emerge around, you know, whether it's DevOps or new ops that people should be paying attention to? I know observability is is a, a word that's, that's starting to come into play a lot of, of this, but are there other technologies that in 2019 people should be, you know, keeping an eye out for starting to, to learn about? I, I think you actually hit the the key one, you know, observability, uh, being able to uh, increase your visibility and what's happening in the environment, uh, you know, as you're merging the teams and we're seeing is this growth and increase of, you know, collaboration between operations and development and bringing in SRE teams and doing, you know, 
building you know, specific DevOps teams, which we can have a whole other conversation about efficacy of that. Um, but uh, tools that allow those teams to work better together. And so I think the biggest focus is going to be on how do we improve visibility and transparency between these groups so that we can see where our constraints are in our value stream and our pipeline, um, what, uh, what's happening in the environment and how do we respond to it in a timely manner, which is you know, a classic ops thing, but now incorporating more, more people. And then the second that second to that is, you know, how, you know, what tools are we using to respond? What tools are we using to communicate? I think we're going to see an increase in adoption of chat ops and automated response, um, as well as AIML systems that are helping back in and supplement the work that we're doing so that as we've collected this data, as we see what's happening in the environment, as we're communicating with one another, there are also tools that are improving how we assess what's happening and, and be able to understand what's happening in the environment much more quickly and be able to adapt to it. Yeah. The other uh, term I hear, I'm beginning to hear more and more is this idea of AI ops. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for <clears throat> for folks that maybe have heard it, but, but aren't familiar with, I mean, does that mean that as an ops person, you, you, you know, you sort of have to become an AI expert or a data scientist, or is this really more of a trend of, AI types of technologies are going to start getting embedded in the tools that that you typically use, the things that you might you know buy from a vendor or use use as a cloud service. Um, yeah. you know, what, what's where, where does that fit in terms of skills I've got to learn versus things that'll just be part of the tools I use? Yeah, I think it's just going to be part of the tools that you use. You know, I look at AI ops as augmented. Right. There are um, machine learning, there are algorithms, there's some base level AI frameworks that can be applied within the existing tool sets that in order to augment and supplement your, your effectiveness as an operations professional. The, the biggest adjustment that we're going to have to make, and it's it seems like an almost silly one, but it's a, it's a very real one, is having trust in those systems. So as more of those systems are released and more you know, that technology is integrated into uh, various platforms and tools that we're using. Uh, it's trusting that that system is giving you the right move and then making that move. Um, IT professionals uh, aren't always that trusting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, and there's a little bit of the, you know, does it, do I trust it a little bit of the, you know, does it replace my job type of thing? So yeah, definitely something that people are going to have to to get used to. Um, let, let's shift gears a little bit. We'll, we'll kind of come back to your your initial comment about about being a psychiatrist about being a therapist um you know culture has always been a big part of of the devops space um whether it was you know blameless postmortems or folks talked about things like hug ops and you know really things that were trying to focus around having empathy for the people that you work with um you know not having a mindset of just you know write code and throw it over the wall that type of thing um are we seeing and those are those are great in terms of people going like yeah we I should do this and I went to an event and it seemed good. Are there frameworks now that are helping you know different teams begin to to communicate with their with their peer groups or even within their own groups that are that are taking hold in terms of, of things that people can go yes this is this is less about there's that one person that's just great and they help everybody too. This is a framework that can scale. Yeah, I, I think the there's a couple of things that are making a difference. Uh, I think there's still a great deal of um, baggage that everybody's kind of been holding on to with IT operations and development. Uh, leadership's one of the few things that can really 
positively impact that the way we need it to. But I think from a, from a culture and framework standpoint, the biggest shift that I'm seeing be adopted is the increase in generalist and T-shaped people, mm-hmm. uh, people who are, you know, they may have some depth in, in one area, but they have a lot of broad general knowledge. So they can look at an entire value stream and add value into that value stream at multiple places. From a culture standpoint, I think more organizations are fostering that, right? They're, they're looking at uh, building out more generalists, um, applying them in different areas, uh, making people a little bit more resilient in where and how they work. And that's a direct correlation of the demand and the, and the requirements that are created you know, from frameworks like DevOps. Uh, I think there's still a lot of additional work, especially like within the enterprise, of hug ops and blameless postmortems and and demonstrating more empathy. Uh, and but that's really more of a trust thing, and that then falls into the second layer that I think is improved at, from a culture standpoint, and that's the tools like Slack. You know, we've always had communication tools. We've always had something that allowed us to chat with other people. Uh, Slack has probably been one of the most effective at you know, improving communication across groups. And I think in large parts because you are able to integrate uh, more capabilities, right? You get into chat ops and you are able to do other platform integrations it allows you to actually get work done there, and that increases visibility, which then in turn increases trust uh, across people because you, know, you you have more accountability, you have more transparency in what's happening, and so I think that's the other you know, kind of cultural shift that I'm seeing a, a lot happen within the industry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned leadership. I know, <clears throat> having known you for a long time, I know you you aspired to, um, you know, at some point be a CTO, be a CIO, but, but more importantly, kind of be around that level of, of leadership. Um, I, I know it helps shape the conversations that you have with, with people. What are, what are some of the things from a leadership perspective or, or talking to leaders in groups um, that you find are, are effective in you know, helping them understand that, that they have to be a part of these transformations? It can't just be the technologist. It can't just be, mm-hmm. you know, hey, YouTube, groups get together and what, what are just some of the conversations, the tips, the suggestions that you found are, are helpful or resonate with them um, at a, at more of a leadership level? Uh, yeah, there's a few that really stand out and they're, they're very complementary to each other in my mind. Um, the first is as, as a leader, you need to be very specific about what your desired outcomes are, right? What are the business objectives that you're trying to meet uh, and setting some, practical goals uh, and not just saying, well, we have to move faster and we have to, you know, we have to deliver better services. Um, be a little bit more prescriptive about what that means. Like we need, you know, in this year, we're going to deliver a platform for Kubernetes to support these three business units. And as we do that, we'll take requirements from other business units and you know, plan that for the following year. And the, that leads to the second part. You, you have to, as a leader, play the long game. Right. Look at where do you want to be three to five years from now? You know, what is what's your ratio going to be between public cloud spin, on premises spin, software as a service spin? You know, because budget rules so many things. And then once you've kind of defined what you're going to do there, like how are you going to get to that spot you know, in the next three to five years? And what are some of those key stepping stones that, that you want your organization to take? Uh, those those are, I think, the two biggest requirements that 
organizations need from their leadership is to just let them know, like, our path needs to get us here. And here are some you know waypoints that we should probably expect that we're going to hit along the way. And here's what I expect along the, you know, as, as we hit those waypoints. Um, and then the last part is you know, giving people some flexibility. If you know that you know, increasing your deploys per week or employees, you know, deploys per month, or just increasing your deployment frequency uh, is going to lead to additional outages. Let everybody know that, okay, I understand there's going to be outages. Let's manage that risk. And um, you know, let's make sure the business understands that. Make sure we understand the rewards that we're going to get on that. And you know, the leadership needs to be the one that sits there and, and guides that and is supportive uh, because it's inevitable you're going to have more outages. Those outages are likely to happen anyway at some point over time. It was just a matter of how quickly you hit them. Uh, and so provide that guidance, that, that air cover and that support. And I think with those three things, you know, those are, those are some of the key leadership uh, contributions that then lead everybody to improve all the other stuff that we've talked about. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's uh, you're you're showing people that there's a bigger plan. Uh, you're showing them some of the steps along the way, and then you're you're really just acknowledging that hey, this is this is roughly where we're going. Um, but you know, things things will change as we go along. Things will fail, and and you're going to provide them support. So no, I think those are I think those are great guidance, Josh. I know you are uh, you're you're not only heavily involved in the stuff that, that you do work-wise, but you do a number of things outside of it. You're always kind of got projects going on. What are some of the things that people can do uh, to either, you know, hear what you're working on, whether it's the podcast, whether it's events you're working on, ways people can reach out to you? What are, what are some of the areas you'll be in 2019 and, and places people can, uh, can hear your, what you're talking about? Yeah, your, your best bet is obviously uh, to find me on Twitter, Josh underscore Atwell. Uh, I'll be pretty active there and on, on LinkedIn. Uh, out in the world, I'll be attending a lot of events. That's kind of my, uh, my MO. It's what I do. Uh, we'll also be hosting uh, the New Ops Days series. So we'll have four new cities this year. Uh, they'll be posted up on newopsdays.org. And uh, I'll also be doing a lot of podcasting. I, I actually just started firing up my blog again. I'm kind of transition my blog and into more of these types of conversations rather than the uh, scripting conversations I used to do a few years back. Uh, and I'll I'll get that out uh, here in a couple of weeks. So not in time for for the show, but uh, uh, you'll be able to find all of that on on Twitter or LinkedIn. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it plugged back in the show notes as well. Well, very good. Well, Josh, thank you very much for for helping us kick off this look ahead to 2019 series. We really appreciate the the insight and uh, kind of your perspective as to what's going on in the community, um, folks. Before you go, uh, want to plug one last thing. You know, we're always trying to help you educate yourself, and uh, you know, while once a week Cloudcast may be great for you. Some of you, you know, want uh, a little more information on a regular basis. Um, kind of want to recommend something that we're we started uh, digging into. Aaron and I have been digging into. It's called the Tech Meme Ride Home Podcast. Uh, so if you search for Ride Home on any of your uh, podcast players, you can find it. Um, basically, it is the the Tech Meme site uh, wrapped up and summarized once a day. They put it out around five o'clock, so you know, aim, uh, named appropriately for the ride home. About twenty minutes, fifteen twenty minutes can get you plugged in for kind of the top tech news of the week, some of the top tech discussion. So, if you're interested in something that's going to fill your time between the weekly cloudcast, we recommend the uh, Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. So, with that, I want to thank Josh and uh, for Aaron and I. We want to thank you all for coming back in 2019. We want to thank you for listening. And as always, we will talk to you next week. 
Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 